Okay, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, not necessarily in that order. Uh, welcome to the Word with God podcast. It's me, Carrie, here with Stan. Stan, why don't you say hi to the folks at home? Hi, folks at home. Hello, Carrie. How are you doing? Uh, I'm pretty good. Uh, we are in the midst of a mask pandemic, so uh, we've got all those rules in place at the church now, but there's some other stuff interesting mm-hmm. going on. So what does a teacher do all summer when they don't teach and they've got nothing to do? Like, do you guys get, like, paid to do nothing, or? Do you want me to try and make my profession sound good or bad? Because I can, I can give you either answer, and okay. it can sway our listeners one way or the other when it comes to their opinions of the teaching union. Okay, <laughs> well, maybe I'll just leave that up to you. Okay, well, let me think about it, and if, uh... I come back to it, maybe tie things up with that, then we might have an answer. Okay. Maybe I'll conveniently forget. But we have a guest with us today, and so... Uh, is he a guest, or is he going to be a regular... It's kind of uh, like furniture. You know what I mean? You get a new piece of furniture, it's in the house, it kind of stays, and you may move it around a little bit. Is it the kind that's like a centerpiece, or the ones where you kind of don't want to notice it? I I think he I think he's... Uh, I think he's a centerpiece kind of guy. Okay, so I think we mentioned before on our last one of our prior podcasts, and of course, if you've been paying attention to our services, you know all about this fellow. Uh, he's the new kid on the block. His name is Nathan, and his last name is W E B E R. And so, Nathan, why don't you at least explain to the people why you choose to pronounce your last name improperly? Well, thanks for that intro. I'm glad I'm a centerpiece, and uh, I will eventually learn my last name, Carrie, but right now I, I just pronounce it Weber. Um, interestingly enough, I, I, most of the rest of the world kind of says Weber. It's really only the Kitchener area that says Weber. Do they say Weber or yeah. do they say Weber? Well, the old my uh, old ancestors from Prussia might actually say Weber. Yeah, okay. like Weaver, I think is where it comes from. But like everywhere, everyone else says Weber for some reason. But here you've got this Weber Street, and and uh, and so. But I don't really care what you call me; it doesn't really bother me. My uncle, who moved to the area a while ago, he changed his name to have a double B, yeah. just to make sure people didn't call him Weber. But I frankly don't care. But Weber Barbecues. Mm-hmm. Weber hamburgers up yes. on the uh, four. I mean, everyone else in the world says Weber except for Kitchener. Yeah, and yeah. he doesn't care what we call us. So. Nope, just don't call me late for dinner. We'll call you Sheila. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Sheila's a, that would be a distant pronunciation. <laughs> You'd have to stretch for that one. So, there's, I think, uh, an interesting story behind how you ended up here. Uh, I think I mentioned, as we were just introing this, that you are now the associate pastor here along with Stan as the lead elder. Uh, how did you end up at this fine, reputable establishment? Man, I've been asking myself that every morning, Carrie, when I come into work, actually. No. <laughs> well, I was on the road to Damascus. Hang on a second. I'm confusing stories. I'm going to start again. Um, I, uh, I, well, I'm, I'm old, first of all, so that's part of the weird journey, right, is I'm, uh, I'm 40 Five now. I'm now 45 years old. Stan, do you have any thoughts on that? He's old. He's 45. He's just just about at the useful stage of life. <laughs> Maybe we've got like a nice. We were like 15 years between each of us, so I think yeah. we've got everything we could possibly. We don't want anyone 15 years younger than me, but 
you know, are you saying anybody 15 younger years younger than you has nothing worthwhile to say obviously yes oh okay <laughs> <laughs> and some days we worried about you yeah, but anyway i'm learning Maybe I'll change my mind later. Anyway, Apologies you interrupted Nathan. Listeners. Nathan was telling us about about a bit of a story about how he came to Verity Church. Um, and if you're confused about the names, yes, we've kind of gone through a name change uh, from Evangel to Verity and the coming together of two church families into one. And so part of that transitioning was looking, actually kind of looking for uh, an associate pastor who may grow into the lead elder at one point in time. So uh, we began looking, and to be very honest with you, there wasn't a lot out there with what we were looking for or who we thought would fit uh, this uh, community of faith. So you've hit the bottom of the barrel is what you're saying. We and, and this it. is where we landed. Well, we turned to God. Okay. At that, we quit looking at, I would, you know, if you want to take this into a spiritual direction, we, we quit looking in the flesh with fleshly eyes for what made sense to us. And um, one of our elders had said, you know, listen, you maybe we're looking in the wrong area. Maybe, maybe it's somebody that God's going to call. And maybe they're older and they're, they're, they've been working and just so happened that's how God called him into ministry. Uh, he had a carpet uh, company and laid carpet. And and so, like, he kind of primed the, prump, the pump. And um, we began praying and looking in a different direction. Mm. Yeah, I, well, I remember I was active in my own church, but always working in the corporate world. And um, uh, I had a somewhat of a sabbatical year come up as I was serving as an elder in, in uh, one of my um, capacities at, at the church that I was at. And, and, uh, and so when I stepped down um, for a year, uh, it opened me up to take some more courses, which I, I did from time to time at Heritage. And I started getting a passion for preaching and teaching the Word. And my intention was maybe uh, continuing on doing what I was doing professionally, but maybe I would teach occasionally um, at my previous church. Um, and then one fateful day, uh, I was going to the job, I, the same job I'd had. It was in Toronto and uh, um, the same thing I've been doing for nine years. And I walked into a meeting and I walked out unemployed. And <laughs> I didn't really see it coming. And and uh, although I, I was in good, um, I, I still had good connections with the group that I was working for. But it was very shocking to me. And I was driving home from Toronto and I called my wife and I called my business partner for uh, that I've worked with for in another business for years, and and he was talking me off the ledge, and and just basically basically saying that he was excited, God mm-hmm. was going to do something special, and I was still spinning. And I talked to him all the way home, and we prayed together, and I shut off the car and parked the car in the driveway, and and walked into my house. I still had my laptop bag in my hands and my shoes on, and my phone rang, and it was Stan giving me a call. And Stan, what were you? What did you have to say to this guy? How did that phone call go? Well, we'd, we had met a few years uh, previous to that, and uh, I was preaching at a, at a camp, and Nathan was leading the worship. And, um, and we'd had kind of just off and on. I, can, I kept hearing his name, and, and uh, his business partner uh, 
goes to our church and through him I began to learn more and more about Nathan and and his character and what kind of a character he was and and his sense of humor and uh, and so we were in one of these trips we were out looking for a an associate pastor was at Heritage and uh, all of a sudden an, an, another a person from our church was with me we were interviewing students and and I and I turned to her and said you know this is pretty sad <laughs> there's not a lot of students here who are even looking for ministry and most of them don't know what they want to do and um, and then um, in just a few minutes after I'd said that, uh, up comes Nathan, and um, he knows both of us. And so we talked a little bit, and I didn't know that Nathan was taking courses at Heritage. And um, I can't remember now timeline, whether this is just before that older elder had said about making a change. I think it was, but just a little bit before his comments at a, one of our elders meetings and uh and I turn I remember that day saying to Becky I wonder if Nathan would be interested in something like this maybe you should ask him when you see him around and she had just kind of let it drop I think she probably thought it was something I should do and she shouldn't and Woman's but that was intuition. just yeah it was just an off the cuff kind of a thing and then after this meeting with our one of our elders, uh, it just was kind of growing in my mind and growing in my mind. And I so I called his business partner to get his phone number because I didn't have his phone number any longer. And um, so I don't know that John was talking to you. I can't remember whether that was a text or a or a email, but I got your number and. I phoned right as you were walking in the door. Yeah, just amazing timing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, nine years doing the same thing, going to a meeting, you come out without a job, and you drive home with your partner saying, God's going to do something amazing. And mm -hmm. you walk in the door, and the phone rings. And I basically, I think Stan asked me if I was interested in a conversation, and I was so blown away that uh, I, I really didn't know what to say to him. And I, I, uh, I, I think I said something like, I think, I, I guess I am interested in a conversation. <laughs> I didn't even know I was interested in a conversation, uh, but apparently I am. Yes. <laughs> and uh, since then, it's been a wonderful affirmation. Um, just everything coming together really, really smoothly. Um, been able to work with Stan and, and uh, very, very fortunate to have just come through um, a similar situation in my previous church where... Um, you know the uh, the senior pastor there, the head elder there was was uh, guiding a new person in, and uh, that transition just went very very well. And so I was excited to kind of have the opportunity mm -hmm. to do the same thing, not having all of the ducks in a row, and and having this drastic life change yeah. is a lot harder if you didn't have someone to kind of guide you uh, through it, as Stan has uh, has been doing so graciously. So uh, it's been it's been good. It's worked out yeah. really well. So but, what do you bring to shake things up around here? Not much. Because, I mean, there, well, there's been some, at least the change of me being like, <laughs> hey, Stan, when are we going to do this thing? And he says, 
uh, you got to talk to Nathan about that. He handles that side of things. So there's a base that makes my life harder. I got two people I have to talk to now. So but. Nathan has the illusion of having everything under control and organized, though, and I don't even come close to even having the illusion of that. It's a house of cards, though, Gary. One thing falls; it's all going to come down. I'm telling you right now. And then I take over. And then you take oh, over. Wow. one step away from complete domination. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think well, the I... other thing that's in the, this very weird in this is halfway through. So we had a few conversations, uh, a few breakfasts together. And that's one thing we both enjoy. We both like breakfast out. That's that's breakfast is my favorite. Uh, meal to go out because it's so cheap and it's good <laughs> but uh we'd been having and then right in the middle of that COVID hit and so then it's like how does that affect everything and uh so we had to walk through we like it wasn't a normal interview at least in my experience normal interviewing meet the church because it was on zoom meetings and um it was just a different way of doing things. And so here we've got two churches coming together, and we know that things are going to be different, but it's kind of like God really... It, we used to have this thing called barrel of monkeys, and they would shake this barrel, and they dump it out, and you have to kind of pick... It, it's like that. Everything's all mixed up. It's different. It's upside down and backwards. And so... I really feel for our people, and our people have been amazing in how they've rolled with this. I mean, a lot of churches are kind of doing the duck and cover, um, not doing anything new, not stepping out in into new things, because everybody's kind of, well, what's it going to be like? What's COVID going to do? And and I really admire our our leaders and that they're kind of like, well, no, let's 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 go ahead and hire somebody else on in the middle of covid crisis and and um and so i i think i see god's hand through all of this mm. yeah you're right they really leaned in um which ended up being i mean i think the right thing to do um because i, I it's just been such a wonderful experience throughout covid in the past few months there's been so many good things that verity has been able to do mm-hmm. um and it's really the troops have really rallied behind um you know, in a really tough situation, uh, you know, coming together, two churches coming together is hard at the best of times. Mm-hmm. Throw in a global pandemic and it becomes more complicated. But man, right. the people have stepped up to the plate. They have done such a good job mm-hmm. of responding and uh, welcoming, participating, mm-hmm. uh, doing things for the community. I've been super proud of all of the people here at, uh, at Verity uh, since I've, I've been very, very impressed. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to when things normalize a little, a little bit. <laughs> Whatever that looks whatever, like. Uh, yeah, whatever normal's going to be. going to be bright. Yeah. Well, what kind of stuff have we done for the community so far? Let's flex our muscles a little here. <laughs> I know we've done some things. Well, I think the first thing that, the first real initiative is that um, even before the COVID thing happened is that Evangel and Lincoln were both kind of preparing for a merger. And that was really the the long-term vision of the uh, leadership for both of the churches that, that that was in the works for a while and I think that was well thought out and planned out and there were presentations and teams forming and kind of the basis for the merger happening long before I was on the scene mm-hmm. and so I think that really helped uh, it definitely morphed so some of the preparations that we had and some of the teams that were originally going to be performing functions that um, you know would have been needed functions in normal times 
changed and they pivoted. And so you had a ministry team uh, that was really making sure that the ministries came together well and the, the building and all the supplies and people and volunteers were working well together. Well, we didn't need that right now because nobody was coming together anymore. And so they pivoted instantly to um, a ministry team that focused on ministry for the community. How can we engage the community? And that team has done a lot. And I'm very, very proud of that team. Um, one of the first things they did was a craft dinner drive and, uh, you know, just getting people out of their own heads. And, and uh, we were all cooped up and didn't know what to do, but, but our people got out there and they were buying craft dinner by the cases. And hmm. uh, we dropped off with such like 1,200 boxes of craft dinner to the Salvation Army Food Bank. How and many people do you figure donated to that? You know, what's the congregation of our church? Um, well, it's, it's hard to tell right now. Maybe 50 <laughs> COVID, people. But you got 50 or 60 people that are around and who knows. But but if you think and about we, that, that's a lot of craft dinner. Yeah. Well, you know, mm-hmm. divide that by or 1,200 by 60. Uh, that's a lot per person kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. They really, they really responded. And it just, I think it got people out of their own heads mm-hmm. and uh, doing something for someone else. And, and they came through. Uh, and so we continued that, and, and we uh, we organized other events. The next thing is, is we were you know paying back the frontline workers, and and so we took a uh, a seniors home where we were already ministering in, and we decided to uh, get for all of their staff. I think they had fifty odd staff. We were doing a fundraiser for, to give them a thank you, basically thank you for what you're doing to strengthen our ministry and our in our presence in that uh, seniors home. We raised. Um, uh, again, well over a thousand dollars in Tim Hortons cards for for these people, and we're um, not sponsored by Tim Hortons. No, we're not. But no. we're open to sponsors. We're open to sponsors. Yeah, I, that's that's fair. Uh, but but again, the people responded. It was amazing. We had a big thermometer, and people were just bringing in cards and, and looking forward to blessing the frontline workers there. And 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 what a joy! What a joy mm-hmm. that was. And then our own people. Of course, we had frontline workers in our own congregation. And, uh, and so we did something uh, special for them as a recognition. And then, um, and then, of course, we had a Canada Day event on July the 1st, and that was a direct outreach to the community, like, a, hey, you know, we're here, poof, right? Look around, mm-hmm. something's going on. And, uh, I mean, I think all of those events were, were really good, but handing out, like, you know, free sparklers to kids and waving to people and just letting them know we're here. We had, uh, you know, this, uh, this uh, jazz band. I hear they're up and coming. What's the name of them? Uptown, Uptown Sound? Uptown Sound, yeah. Uptown Sound, yeah. So we had them here. They were, you know, we had a big PA system. We were entertaining the whole neighborhood, weren't we, Stan? Yeah. There were people opening up their, uh, you know, their balcony doors from the apartment buildings and listening to us and pulling up chairs. And, and so it was just a great way to engage the mm-hmm. community. And so super happy with, with everybody and their efforts in COVID mm-hmm. as to what they've done. Here's a more serious question that's related to what we've been doing as specifically with the frontline workers thing. Um, Do you feel there's a pressure on Christians to do something like that specifically for the frontline workers during this pandemic? Because uh, we sort of get this blame put on us for being against science and against, you know, the coronavirus stuff and we're not you know we're ignoring the advice and and like that's what i see in the media a lot is this sort of uh right-wing evangelical response and it's like maybe we end up feeling this responsibility to like oh no look at we aren't what some people think we are 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's all kinds of different wing nuts in different groups, and, mm-hmm. and you're right, evangelicals can get painted with the same brush. Um, but I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily feel the need to answer for evangelicals um, on the right side of things necessarily. Uh, I think that the main root of, of the cause of, of why we were doing this is to really, um, because we wanted to thank people in our mm-hmm. community for being frontline workers and nice. and it really strengthened our own ministry with people that we had in those homes so mm-hmm. we just thought you know if we're if we're in there and we're ministering to people already um wouldn't it be nice if if those people that they knew friendly faces mm-hmm. that they knew would give them something practical mm-hmm. more than just a friendly hello and and that's how we want to be mm-hmm. known we want to be known for our love for our generosity mm-hmm. and and so I wasn't necessarily planning on combating any anything negative, more just doing what we're supposed yeah. to be doing as the body of Christ. I think there's some double-edged swords, too. You're not only doing something for the community, but the people who are part of Verity, we're, we're teaching them the, the art of gratitude. And gratitude is something that slips uh, out of our fingers so many times. We, we become complacent. We become used to... Mm-hmm people doing what they're supposed in fact we complain uh, as a society when people don't do what they're supposed to be doing but here we have people going above and beyond uh, in the community serving the community and and following Jesus is a lot about about serving um, having a servant's heart servant's attitude and so I think when you see that naturally in people uh, to, to teach our people to be Generous, kind, grateful, thankful. I think it cuts both directions. So it, it, it helps our people as well as as saying thank you in a tangible way. That that Christians aren't just takers. We want to be givers uh, into into our community. I would ask. I would something I've been thinking about, Nathan, is that when you pivoted and came to Verity. Um, I mean, certainly one of the things that I, I recognized was your gift in administration, but also you have a gift in worship and a gift in leading. And and I'm wondering because that, I mean, it's kind of the worship thing got kind of truncated because we weren't meeting. You were not developing teams. You're not developing a worship ministry. So that's kind of like one of your strengths um, it was kind of left in limbo mm-hmm. and you were kind of serving you, you and your family were helping and, and you were getting others, but it was, it was certainly, uh, not exactly the picture that we envisioned. So here, here's a question, uh, having come through, um, your work being redefined at the company you left and then your work being redefined coming into what you thought you were coming into, going through that time of kind of no man's land and figuring this, what's spiritual, what's spiritual and, and, and self-realization did you go through? How, how did that affect you and what did you learn through that process, through that that uh, I call it an opportunity. I'm not sure it always felt like an opportunity. How did that affect you, Nathan? Uh, that's, so it's a good question. Uh, the longer the question got, the more deeper I thought you were going with it. So, I, but if we if we landed on 
what did I what did I learn? Um, I think that it was probably a good time to have it all happen because when you change. Uh, when you change roles, uh, that's when you're the most kind of malleable. So <laughs> anytime mm-hmm. you start a new job, I mean, when I hire someone, there's always a little asterisk at the bottom mm-hmm. of the job description that says, and whatever else you're needed to do. <laughs> and if you're going into the ministry and you don't think that there's an asterisk at the bottom that says, and anything else we need you to do, uh, I think you're pretty naive. And I've hired yeah. on pastors myself and other churches and so you have to be willing to step into that role and sure and it really killed me because i love the thought of just working with the team here from a worship point of view and even now it's just not the way that we wanted it uh, to be um but on the other side i learned a whole lot of video production and i, I never <laughs> thought i'd be doing that yeah. but apparently that's what you need to do and so um a lot of what we've been doing is kind of you need to do it because it needs to be uh, mm-hmm. done and you've got to be willing to step into those roles mm-hmm. uh particularly in in ministry i think so uh, i was it was a little bit expected mm-hmm. the unexpected's a little bit ex- is, is expected in ministry i guess is so what did god thing. teach you about nathan oh jeepers um uh, well i think he's constantly teaching me that um you know you can make plans and then god laughs sometimes mm-hmm. and so uh, just following him kind of day by day and really relying on him for the next step. Uh, it's not a bad thing to make plans. You should be planning. You should store up like the ant. Um, that's not a bad thing, but you've also mm-hmm. got to be open to God moving. And I think um, he's been moving um, a lot in, <laughs> in the past four months. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that malleable part of your character, and that seems to be well-developed. Is that... Is there been, is that just you and how God wound you? Or is that from life experience that you've learned to shift and, and flex the way you do? I don't know. It might be a little bit of both. I mean, I've certainly had, um, from a nature nurture point of view, it might be a little bit of nature, but I've certainly had uh, training uh, in my life for that. You're always part of small entrepreneurial companies and entrepreneurial companies uh, you know, they kind of tend to jump out of the airplane and build a parachute on the way down. Um, and so it's kind of familiar to me. I, I've always been part of them. You've always mm-hmm. got to pivot. You've always got to make mm-hmm. the right decisions. Um, so maybe a little bit of both, I mm-hmm. guess. What's What's the biggest thing you've seen God do in the last four months? Like the thing that just took you your breath away and you went, wow. Well, I think the connection in the first place it trumps everything. Um, yeah. It was so clear. I mean, we, we don't have time on the podcast to go through all of the other affirming signs um, that God kind of showed my wife and I. And, and Dusty and I, we've just been so convinced that this mm-hmm. is where God wants us. Um, mm-hmm. That's it by a landslide. But I'm always impressed with how God um, is doing things here at Verity every time we have an event every time we uh, have an ask for the people they step up to the plate very affirming well you know you've mentioned your wife now let's take our listeners back in time because our international listeners they are concerned about me and my well-being and like is allowing this man you mean a lot of them are praying that you get a wife oh that's I know you are okay if they think if our listeners think that's in my well-being, then they may be praying. But I know, I know, they're worried like about who this man that I might should I allow him a position of authority in my life? 
Oh. Okay. And this new associate pastor, and so they're like, who is this man? Like, you know, so yeah, let's go back in time, circa uh, maybe 1975. <laughs> how, <laughs> you know, h- how and why are you a Christian? Uh, well, 1975 was a good year. Um, don't what was remember. number one on the radio that year? Uh, I honestly couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I was born at a very young age. Yeah. So, born into a Christian family. Uh, I, I did have a, a fairly privileged upbringing in that my, my folks are, are just wonderful people, wonderful Christians. Um, wonderful example in my father in uh, service to the church in a lot of capacities and ministry. Um, my mom has a heart the size of Texas. They are uh, married 53 years and are living here now. We started in Ottawa, but all of us uh, and eventually moved to Waterloo Region. And so they're here, and uh, they're glad to be around and around their grandkids. And, and uh, So um, I did go to Bible college right out of school, but I really only went to get my MRS now that I, now that I uh, look back. And so I did that and then dropped out and started working. Bill Gates style. <laughs> I sure. I don't know that I hit the same financial goals as Bill Gates possibly Still did. Time. But yeah, kind of the same. Uh, but Dusty and I, we've they've got four wonderful children, um, three girls and a boy. We've been married ourselves for twenty three years, and uh, she's my best friend. And I'm super happy that she was up for this. She 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 said that she'd never marry a pastor. So I think God. She didn't. Allowed me to not be a pastor and and hooker for 23 years, I guess is what it would have taken. 23 years. You knew all along. Yeah, and then I pulled the wool right out from under her and said, honey, pastor time. And she was on board. Is that a Gideon wool or is it not? (laughs) (laughs) No, but she was all, I mean, that's, this is one of the things when couples are, are, feel called in different directions, you got to wonder what God is doing. And I've always felt that if your wife is not feeling called, um, to missions or in a certain direction, you've really got to wonder if you're being called to that as well, of course. Uh, and it was just affirming that she was on the same page the whole time. Yeah. And so you then basically grew in faith through growing up in a Christian household. Mm-hmm. And it was just a sort of, as Stan would say, like a dimmer switch conversion. It just you know, you just re- knew you believed it. Some you didn't have a drastic change, or was there a moment where you're like, "Yep, this is for me. This is the truth." Oh, I see. Well, my mom led me to the Lord when I was seven. In fact, we always had people staying with us. My parents were big into hospitality, non-Christians, and um, came back from school, and she told me about one of the ladies that was staying with us. How she led her to the Lord that day. Wow. I said, "Mom, I want to do the same thing." So um, it's funny because I, I, I remember that day, but uh, as you know, there's no magic prayers in, in Christianity. I mean, there's the sinner's prayer um, is something that we've, we've kind of uh, made into a magical moment. Um, mm-hmm. But I probably had, um, I, I always believed in God. I, I remember that particular moment. But then I also had a couple of times where I kind of rededicated my life. Um, I remember a time when I was 12 where things hit me a little bit more seriously. And then when I was in Bible college, I had things hit me a little bit more seriously. But it's hard to tell if you are um, just growing deeper in your knowledge of God and getting convicted into different areas in your life you just haven't turned over yet. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So, and I remember one of the one of the most proudest moments for for me when I was walking into my son, um, his room and tucking him in, and it was a few years ago, and he looked up at me and he said, "Dad, I don't need to accept Jesus into my heart." And so my heart dropped, right? And I'm, right. I'm like, "Where's this conversation going?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Because." I already know that he's king and I already know that he died for me and I already know I want to follow him all of my days. <laughs> you let out a little sigh and you're like, that's my well, boy. you're right. You're, you're right. <laughs> so, um, so that's great to hear son. And, uh, um, so anyway, that's, I think, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but. Oh, it's definitely at least a good start. I think we'll, and we'll have you around to, for some more questions and I'm sure at some point you'll probably sit in when we have another guest and, you can help me grill them and make them uncomfortable. That'd be great. I can be on the other side of the table. That'd be good. Yeah, usually it's just Stan on over there. He makes us sit over on this side. Yeah. Now we got to share a mic because he's older than us. Right? Way older than you. Yeah. So. <laughs> My Stan, grandfather used to talk to himself a lot. And, and I'd say, Grandpa, there's nobody there. And he goes, he goes, wise people talk to the smartest person present. <laughs> so. I, I was thinking, we got this new guy here, a new uh, associate pastor. Yes. Let, let, let's talk uh, about what the Bible says. Titus 1, 7 and 9, says, For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. Do you think that you are up for that? (laughs) You know, does that describe Nathan Weber? Wow. I mean, um, what a, what a big setup. Thank you for, for putting me on the spot on there. I mean, yeah, it's a tall order and, Mm -hmm. um, Anyone can look back in their life and 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 uh, and, and see where 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 they failed. I, I'm certainly I'm certainly no different mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, but I don't think that I would put myself in this position if I didn't have the affirmation of uh, those around me, uh, people that I care about. Um, I took it very very seriously. Uh, introspect uh, introspection was mm-hmm. was long and hard. And then you go to counsel from people that yeah. you. Uh, you trust, and so my pastoral mm-hmm. staff and the elders that I served with, and they were all uh, very reassuring and, and gave me some mm-hmm. wonderful endorsements. And uh, I think when you look around and you pray hard, and you follow the signs, um, then you see where God wants you to be. And 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 you're right. I don't think I'd put myself in a position where I didn't believe that um, I, I wasn't up mm-hmm. for those things. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that the same qualifications for an elder. Uh, are, are the same are the qualifications for an elder are the same as for a deacon Stop except it. for hospitality <laughs> and for being a be skilled teachers of the word and so you you are a deacon in the church Carrie do you Am feel I? that I don't know with this new merger things are up in the air so do you view yourself as having those kinds of character qualities as well how did you do uh, everyone has really shifted their position in this room and uh, turn looking at me like under, like I'm under a microscope. And I think it's weird because like, you two are in positions of power and authority over me and I feel like you're pressuring me and you're making me feel unsafe. Oh, well, but no, um, really, uh, 
yes and no. Yeah. It depends on the day. Yeah. Uh, there are many days where I would not feel up to yeah. it and a lot of imposter syndrome going on, mm. which I mean, I don't know when that ends with my job even, like uh, teaching. I still would go in every day feeling like, well, when are people going to realize like I'm a fake and like I don't know what I'm doing here and talk to other teachers and find out they're all mm -hmm. doing the same thing or have been mm -hmm. for a long time. And I right. feel like there's a part of this with ministry where it's like, when are people going to figure out mm -hmm. that like I'm not the person they think I am, even though I don't feel like I'm... Yeah showing off a dishonest side of me it's just like yeah sure i can answer some questions and i can do the things that need to be done but my heart is a mess hmm. and hmm. no one can see that really mm -hmm. and you know the things i think about or things i desire and um the things i joke about uh all that stuff that you know it's like if all that came out and spilled out like like vomited this nastiness out of me mm -hmm. uh what would people think because mm -hmm. you know you only people only see small parts of the beast inside of us i think it like mm -hmm. when, when we're trying to fight to be christ-like mm -hmm. you know the darkness slips out and but never usually all at once and but it's still there and we still mm -hmm. know it's there we know what we're capable yeah. of and it makes yeah. me feel that i am unworthy yeah it's interesting that john said walk in the light as he is in the light and um and that when we walk in the light as he's in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus christ cleanses us from every sin and so I think we can become, uh, you know, whether you want to call it navel gazing or not, we can become so introspective. Here's the bottom line that I've learned from those passages is that to some extent, those things need to be evident in our life. The things that you talked about, not, not, a, not a quarrelsome, not pugnacious, not a lover. Those things, the seeds need to be there and growing. It doesn't mean they're fully developed yet, but that there I can go and go, okay, yeah, I see the seed of that part of the of that description of our and so it breaks it into character and it breaks it into working with one another as Christians and then it breaks it into how do I interact with the world and so do I see those things in in some form of growth in my life and uh, and and when I say yes I see I see God doing this and I see God growing this then I can rest in that, that he's the one who's doing the growing, that I will grow into it even more than I am today. And that's part of that journey, that refining that God does as he refines our hearts, he refines our thinking, he refines our relationships with each other. And and so it, it, it starts off, Paul, Paul goes, if, if you desire the work of an elder, you desire a good thing. This is not a this is not a nasty thing. Sometimes it can feel that way on the bad days. But we know that 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 this is a good thing. And it's something that God is doing in your our lives 
whether it's to be an elder or to be a deacon or whatever area of service he's brought us into, his, his desire is good for us. And so it's running with that desire. It's, it's, it's submitting myself to that process and, and looking even deeper and deeper to how can I be more the man that God's calling me to be. And heaven help us if we ever get to the point where we don't think that we need to rely on God's power in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that obviously the, the doubt and the accusations are certainly not coming from God. And yet, mm. uh, Romans 7, Paul struggles with his own challenges and uh, who can deliver me from this body of death. So there's an understanding that we are fully reliant on God. And sometimes I think God allows those things in our life to mm-hmm. keep us in the proper place mm-hmm. of dependency on him. How do we know, you know, there's been lots of books and talks usually titled something like when leaders fail or when leaders fail us. Uh, like, you know, I've got all these issues that will creep up in my life and you do and Nathan especially does because I can say that because he's new. Um, but no, we all do. And mm-hmm. how do I know when those issues are something where I say, no, I need to actually step down from my position because is like is it this thing is too far i've gone too far in some sin uh is there a line is it a gray area of where that is but we've all seen these like big you know christian celebrity leaders who've had some moral lapse and they have to take a step Mm -hmm. back it's interesting because some you never hear from again some you hear from the next week how they're right back into it and some there's a process so i've I've watched this a number of times how do you how do you know when your kids genuinely are sorry for what they've done mm. well one there's they're not just but there is an emotional part of it where it has touched their emotions so that's kind of the first little okay something's happening here they no longer blame shift and say it was my sister that did it or it's her fault or your fault or this they stop blame shifting they they own it they just come right out and own it and they don't try to to hide it in fact they um it's like they almost fall over themselves being authentic. You know, I, I just went through that today with somebody, and, and they had some things that just kind of went wrong. And, and so, first of all, there was tears. There was a, an, an emotional response to what they had done. Then there was a, uh, I don't know why I did that, but I did. And then there was this owning of it. Uh, I know I shouldn't have done that. And then there was this like this total repentance, this this idea of turning around, going in a different direction. So it wasn't, well, I'm going to quit now and walk away. It was, how do I go forward? How do I change directions and do it better next time? So there was was these marks of authenticity. And and you can see that in leaders. I've had friends that have a very good friend who who uh, fell on his marriage, 
and um, for about 12 years afterwards, he put he came back home to his home church, and he was pastoring in a church. He put himself under the authority of the elders in his church. He said, and let me preface that, he wasn't found out. He turned himself in for his failure. And that, I was thinking, is a big thing, because a lot of times, the only reason the step down happens is because you were found out. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking there's a yeah. huge difference in a pastor being open about sin in their life right. from the pulpit right. saying, you know, I struggle with this, I struggle yeah. with that, yeah. than opposed to someone yeah. caught you doing whatever. Right. Well, he came back to his elders and said, I will do whatever you tell me to do. No holds barred, no exception clause. I won't go into any ministry. I will do what you say I need to do in my marriage. I will do what you say I need to do in any part of restoration that you think. I will go to counseling. I will go to classes. I will. And he just totally opened himself up, himself up to the elders in the church. And he followed that for a number of years i would say probably three four in that area and then the elders begin to integrate him back into ministry in that body as a as a lay person and eventually at about i I can't remember it was like 12 13th year they said we feel very comfortable in recommending that that you you could pursue ministry again you have done everything that needs to be done. And his wife was like 100% behind it. And that to me was the best picture of restoration I have ever seen. Mm. And uh, and so I think we can learn a lot from that. Um, I, I think a person, you can tell when you confront a person with their sin... How they respond tells you volumes about how they really do. They get it or don't they get it? And I'm I'm with this with women all the time talking about husbands who have been unfaithful, husbands who have been brutal, husbands who have been. It's like like we we offer forgiveness right away because it's not ours to withhold. It it is God's to deal with. But that doesn't mean we restore relationship to the same place, the same accessibility, the same like you you have to see, and that's what these elders did with this with this guy. They 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 waited some time to see is this genuine? Is he gonna get tired of this in six months, in two years, and go back to doing things the thing the very things that led him down that path in the first place? Or is he willing to open himself up to that kind of scrutiny, that kind of accountability, and to change his thinking, to change his approach? And and if you're in that relationship right now, if you're listening to this right now and you're in that situation and the other person is is still blame shifting and they're still doing what they were doing and they're making you promises over and over that will never happen again baby that'll never happen if they're in that you need to be very very cautious about how what you open up yourself to in that and you need to get your elders and i mean if you're part of a church get your elders involved if you're part of a church you need to be part of the restoration process underneath the authority of your elders 
and, and in there is safety. One of the old, especially in the Pentecostal churches, they talk about umbrellas of protection. And, and in, in one sense, I think they're very accurate there. There are umbrellas of protection that you come under. I think, just personally, between you and me, Carrie, young men that don't listen to old men and ask old men what they think of the girl that they're dating or that they're looking at to date, I think are very foolish. They miss out on the wisdom and the experience of older men and uh, and I think they could save themselves a lot of grief. And young women, you find your your dad, grandfather, dad figure, grandfather figure in your life. Ask them if they're godly men and they love Jesus. Ask them like like what do you think of of Bozo here? Do you do you think he's the kind of man that I would be good to marry? Do you think he's the kind of man that will? I mean, there's a wealth of, of information. Don't just take things as you see them. Just to be clear, you said between you and me, with Nathan sitting next to us, plus... Like, he's married. Is, he's married. He's this not... This going on the internet. Yeah. I don't know if, how between you and me this is. Because, well, I mean, as, <laughs> as metaphorically speaking, <laughs> oh, that's a, that is a speaker's uh, use of language to create intimacy and closeness that you and I are speaking together. And we know that they're in the third person omniscient kind of listening in on us. So like I can look forward to a sermon someday where you point me out in the congregation and now carry between you and I, like I saw you do that yeah, thing. Yeah, on I Saturday, do that. I do that quite a bit. Actually not do that because you know, just between you and I, I won't mention it to anybody else. Right. But I would never <laughs> embarrass a person publicly. Um, or or call them to shame publicly. That would not be appropriate. Because that, there's another spiritual thing. You only involve as many people are, who are involved. You don't bring it. So if I'm if I'm going to ask for get so say I cut you off at the corner and you're walking across the street and I just about do you in. Well, I don't get up in front of the whole church Sunday morning and go, Carrie, I'm so sorry. Like, no, it's to whom is involved. If you and Nathan and I were involved in something where I sinned against you guys, I bring it to you. If it has come public, if it's in common knowledge, if it's in front of every, that's when you come before the church and that's where you you then make that kind of a public confession so there's wisdom to the amount to the amount that the persons are involved is the amount to which you what you mentioned disclose. about the pastor and being uh like welcome back into the church again yeah. and that restoration of relationship yeah that painted such a different picture than what we are seeing a lot today with you did this thing wrong you are gone you're written off for life you are that thing that you did and Mm -hmm. no one should have anything to do with Mm -hmm. you anymore and it's so like and we see it in the church like some leader does something and suddenly well what you shouldn't read that guy's books you 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 know oh but you you're listening to his sermon he did this thing and it's so it's like so much in odds with Jesus's method. Yeah. I think of he takes the person and he. It doesn't matter what they've done. He's going with yeah. all these lowly people of society that everyone else has said yeah. don't deal with those people, and he brings them into relationship. And uh, something uh, 
that everyone should look into that uh, I uh, listened to a podcast with this man, Daryl Davis, and he's uh, the, like, at least currently, it was the best picture of Jesus's method of restoration that I've ever seen. This, He's a black man who's gotten, I believe, around 200 KKK members to leave the KKK. Like, not, like, he meets them, befriends them, and through relationship, they change. Hmm. And it's just, it's absolutely incredible because, you know, right here with us, if we met someone and they're in the KKK, we're probably not going to have anything to do with them. That'd be Mm -hmm. very hard. Imagine how much harder for this guy. Mm -hmm. And he's changed, like, people's lives are being changed through Mm -hmm. this man's work. And uh, it's definitely worth looking Mm -hmm. into. Mm Mm-hmm. I think there's I think there's callings that people have as well. Some people are gifted to enter into some extraordinary circumstances right. like that. And it's just like every guy, I wouldn't say to every guy who's 45ish, "Hey, you should just do a major career shift and and go in and quit your job tomorrow and and go and be a pastor." I mean, there's there's certainly What are your what are your thoughts on calling, Nathan? And God's calling in your life, and and uh, let me frame it just a little bit different. There's the Nathan at 25, and the Nathan at 45. I almost said 55. Sorry, 45. And and like, is it better that is this Nathan going to do? Is this Nathan better suited to ministry than the Nathan at 25? Did God do some things in there? Is is the calling, was the calling back here and you missed it or didn't listen to it? Or was, it's it's kind of like, like, did God leave you cooking a bit longer and prepare you for this point in time? You know, it's a good question. I actually, I, I have thought about that. I crossed my mind and say, well, God, if you're here, but... God could have made it clear to me at any point in time. And um, I'm one of those guys where I just kind of press forward knowing the will of God is revealed to me in his word. And and you kind of move through life um, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, and, and, and doing what you want. And I, I love, I always say that I can look backwards and see so clearly mm. about what God has done and just seen his mercies and his provision and his guidance. Uh, but I don't feel it on a Tuesday when I wake up in the morning most times. <laughs> but this time I did. <laughs> and it was basically a slap in the face. Uh, mm-hmm. And God uh, picked me up, shook me, and said, here is exactly what I want you to do. Mm-hmm. And I would like to think that if that happened any earlier or, or earlier in my life, I would have been able to see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be lying if, if I said I didn't I didn't wonder the same thing. God, if I'm supposed to be here, am I late to the game? Like, I mean, <laughs> should I have been doing some things, you know, that I just missed your, your mm-hmm. calling on? Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, and I don't know, and you can't really dwell on that. You kind of have to no. move forward. Um, I, I don't think that I did, but uh, but who knows? It may, maybe I'll come get to heaven and God will say, well, it took you long enough. Yeah. I mean, finally, at 45, you got the message. Or he may say, you know what? The timing was just perfect. It's exactly what I desired. I'm hoping for that. I'm hoping for the second one. Yeah. Um, and it feels like that. So yeah. so hopefully uh, 
that's what it is. But you just do your best to be faithful to God's calling yeah. wherever he's got you planted. And I, I always tell people this. It's like they say, well, wow, completely moving into something different, into ministry. Well, you got to understand, I've been in ministry my entire life. Mm-hmm. Uh, ministry is nothing different to me. Um, yeah. Prepare What I'm doing today is I just get to do more of it. Sure. Um, really and and i have the privilege of studying under someone who's been doing it for a long time and i have the privilege of studying at school uh to learn and and to go deeper and and those things are just wonderful and the way that god has lined things up now it would be really hard to imagine it um any other way than the way that it happened so i'm hoping that i heard the call at the right (laughs) time and it's all in god's timing well thanks for bringing us here today carrie and uh for uh for uh, organizing these talks that we have together. And again, we've talked kind of, I feel always feel like we've talked around the globe and, and we've kind of been in so many different areas and I hope you've been able to ping pong with us and, and uh, follow the threads of thought and, uh, and that this would benefit you and uh, encourage you and uh, in uh, your day. And so father, we give thanks for your blessings and uh, bless these uh, conversations as we come together and we seek to know you better through your son, Jesus. Amen. Remember, uh, don't end your day without a word with God.